So to introduce our keynote speaker this evening, it's Karen H. from Ottawa. I'm sure most of you know her because she served on many convention committees over the years. But unbelievably, this is Karen's first time as being a keynote speaker. Please give her an especially warm welcome tonight for saying yes with very little advanced notice. Welcome, Karen, and thank you for saying yes. Hi. Okay, I'm gonna look at myself for 30 minutes. Oh, God. Uh, hi, everybody. My name is Karen. I'm a compulsive overeater. And I had 35 minutes notice um, that I'm the keynote speaker. And I said to Kimberly, that's probably the best way to do this because I would just be nervous for weeks. So, um, so I am going to put this in my higher powers hands. I normally do speak quickly. I often joke that I come from a family of auctioneers. My dad was an auctioneer, my brother, my cousins, my uncle, like really a family of auctioneers. So I learned to talk quickly. So I will do my best, Christine, to speak slowly. Ah. Okay, so I came to the Fellowship of Overeaters Anonymous in May of 1989. Is that 33 years ago? Anyway, long time ago. And I, um, I came to OA because I was 60 pounds overweight. I couldn't stop eating. <sighs> and so um, food was my friend. <laughs> food was my coping mechanism food was my escape from life it was my solution and i guess it became my higher power and um so we um my my first husband and i went to an employee assistance program worker at his work and told them we were having marriage problems because because i was overweight because the food was big, a big priority for me. Anyway, this counselor told me about Overeaters Anonymous, which I did not know anything about. I didn't even know about AA. I'm not alcoholic. I didn't, I didn't really understand spirituality. So I was really a newcomer to this fellowship in May of 1989. And I only came here to lose weight. I didn't know I needed a spiritual awakening. I just wanted to lose 60 pounds and then go off on my merry old way and be cured. Well, here I am 32 years later, uh, not cured, <laughs> definitely not cured, recover one day at a time. Um, I got abstinent in uh, September the 13th of 1991. 
And I actually just celebrated 30 years of abstinence a month ago. And my 30-year coin, which is actually sitting right here, <laughs> my 30-year uh, coin has on it the word gratitude. There we are. We had it upside down. Gratitude. Because <sighs> that's the way I feel today. Whoa, I'm going to get emotional. I just feel so, so grateful because this program has saved my life. So um, a little bit of my history. I, When I was young, I was always on diets because I was if e food was easy to get because my dad ran an auction barn in the back of our property. And so he sold chocolate bars and chips like pretty handy for a compulsive overeater to get food. So, uh, yeah. So, and when I was pretty young, I was put to work in this auction barn <laughs> selling the chocolate bars and chips. In other words, eating all the profits, stealing money to buy more. I really think I have a disease of more, right? I always wanted more. So, and, you know, I, I think there's all, there was a payoff for eating the way I ate, right? I was getting something out of it. So, like I said, the numbing and the escape. Um, when I uh, went to university in uh, Kingston, Ontario, I'm from Ottawa, Ontario, Canada. Um, I went off to Kingston and I... Well, I lived in residence and I really thought the food was free and free food tastes better, <laughs> so much better. So I stocked up. I never left the cafeteria without stuffing stuff in my backpack or my bag, you know, cookies and muffins and stuff. So I'd have it for later. So I was really into the disease at that point. I lived in Germany for a year and and I did learn some German, but also that the chocolate tastes very good in Germany. Um, and then when I moved, see, th these are all times of change, right? I, I just, as, an, uh, as a food addict, I don't deal well with change. It's like I needed this little soother, this food to help me along. So I started going to Weight Watchers. I tried, um, I went to an eating disorder psychiatrist. Like I was trying to find a physical solution to what I now know is a spiritual problem. In my first pregnancy, I gained 60 pounds. And um, well, the baby didn't weigh 60 pounds, right? So <laughs> I had a lot of extra weight. And um, I, I'm just looking at the chat. That's a bit distracting. Anyway, uh, yeah, so I gained 60 pounds in my first pregnancy. And um, that year, that was, uh, he was born in 1988. And I was, you know, nursing my baby who was colicky. So then I couldn't eat certain foods. And when I, uh, in uh, January of 89, when I weaned the baby, I just went like crazy eating foods I hadn't eaten for like six months. So I gained 30 pounds in three months. I was literally out of control. I mean, I, I guess I was also taking care of my baby, but I was very 
focused on the food. And so, I mean, I took my baby out in snowstorms here in Ottawa. We definitely have cold, snowy weather just to get food. I left him in the car. I mean, this is a progressive disease, and I was getting worse. I was about 29 at the time. In May of 89, I got on the scale, and I weighed over 200 pounds. I'm like, well, how did that happen? It's like I was unconscious and didn't even know what I was doing to myself. So uh, this is when my husband dragged me off to the EAP worker. And I found out about OA at that point. And so I had a slow start when I came to OA. Um, I had about two and a half years of relapse uh, in and out kind of thing before I got abstinent. Um, I guess I needed to do more research. I mean, I kept coming to the meetings and I, I did listen to what was being said, but I kept thinking I could do this myself. And so in that two and a half years, I was, I would have like a short period of abstinence following the 301 plan, three meals a day, nothing in between one day at a time. But I was really just using willpower because I hadn't really uh, defined a concept of a higher power. And so, of course, I would keep, I would keep losing my abstinence. So, uh, and of course, any weight I, because I, I, I did lose some weight in the first year, but I gained it all back. Um, yeah, so I had to become convinced that I was powerless over food. Back when I started, we used the big book. I mean, we still do, but that's what our main literature was. And I still remember on page, um, don't forget, I haven't prepared this talk. <laughs> on page 60 in the big book, um, our description of the alcoholic, the chapter to the agnostic, and our personal adventures before and after made clear three pertinent ideas. A, that we were alcoholic and could not manage our own lives. B, that probably no human power could have relieved our alcoholism. And C, that God could and would if he were sought. So I needed, and then the next line is being convinced. And so I needed to become convinced that I really was a compulsive overeater, that I really was powerless over food, and that no human power was going to uh, fix me, <laughs> relieve me of my compulsive eating, I needed a higher power. So, um, so I had to get worse, you know, before I could or before I was willing to surrender. Um, there's an acronym that I like for binge, believing I'm not good enough. And I believed I wasn't good enough. I was raised with physical and emotional abuse. And I started to listen to those old tapes. And I believed that. And so I kept going back to the food. Sugar is definitely my drug of choice. Um, it, 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 I just have a couple of examples here. Um, when I first got abstinent, uh, my husband had this chip clip that he would put on a bag of chips, you know, his little clip, because he would pour some of the chips out into a bowl, 
wrap up the bag, put the clip on. And I'm like, hmm, I've never needed one of those. <laughs> like, I never knew what that was for. Because for me, when the bag of chips was open, I was eating all of them. And so, um, you know, at this time of the year, next week is Halloween. When my son, this was before I came to OA, my son was just like two years old. I took my son out, a two-year-old, out for Halloween <laughs> to 100 houses on my street. Because really, that was me going out for Halloween as an adult. I needed the kid as a prop because he was in a costume. I mean, did he eat? Any of the candy? No, I did. So um, when I was in relapse, I was, you know, just eating. I was eating in the car. Um, I used to work at a, a travel agency and there was, um, I'd pick up junk food on the way home and then throw it out in the garbage can in the plaza near my, near my house because God forbid anyone would see the garbage. I mean, we have to hide the garbage. So I did a lot of crazy stuff. Um, my first husband has celiac disease. I used to wish I could have celiac disease because he was losing weight. <laughs> like, let's just, let's just be sick. Let's just have another disease so I don't have to deal with the problem, which is me. Um, and he had to eat four meals a day, doctor's orders. And I used to wish the doctor would let me eat four meals a day. <laughs> like I was just, just a crazy person. So, so uh, what happened really is um, I went, so I was going to OA and I was playing around really. I mean, I was, you know, the, I was doing the OA waltz steps. One, two, three, one, two, three, one, two, three, four looked very scary um, until I hit a bottom. I had to hit a bottom. And so when I hit a bottom, I'm just uh, looking at my, I do have a couple of notes here. Uh, so as I say, I got abstinent on September 13th of 1991 and I was in pain. I like pain is a great motivator. And I guess I took step one. Uh, the day before the 12th of September, I was um, home alone with my kids. I have two children. Um, my son is now 33. My daughter is 30. And um, but then they were little babies that I was ignoring because I was preferring the food. Um, anyway, that night, the night before I got abstinent and I had been already, you know, as I said, in OA for two and a half years, I I remember I, I was I was going to a retreat A region six. Um, the region six trustee was leading a retreat here in Ottawa and I had signed up. So I knew I was, you know, I was going to put myself in a place of recovery. And that night I started writing and just really surrendered to the program and um, <clears throat> realized how much like my compulsive overeating affects it affects my whole life. It isn't just about my food and my weight. It was affecting my my relationships, my marriage, my children. I'm sorry I get emotional about this because, I mean, I was hitting my kid. That's not the kind of mother I wanted to be. And so 
I put the food down that night. I picked up the pen. I wrote, I got on my knees and asked God for help. Karen, that's, that's 15 minutes in and you have Thank three you. minutes left. And so I went to that retreat with, I guess, open ears. I started talking to the old timers who I had up here on a pedestal and I brought them down so I could just, I talked to people and I asked, I, you know, I finally started using my sponsor. I had a sponsor in name, but never used her. And I started working the steps and putting as much energy into recovery as I had into the disease. I put a lot of energy into the disease. Driving around town, you don't want to go to the same store all the time. And back then, there weren't a lot of drive throughs <laughs> You know, I was very uh, sneaky and controlling and manipulative. So I needed to put that same energy into recovery. And I had a six-month-old daughter, a three-year-old son, and um, I was an at-home mom. So I had, and, and my, when I started going to meetings and started getting better, my husband would say to me, like, aren't there any more meetings you can go to? Like, you're a lot better when you go to meetings, because I was only doing one night a week, and he encouraged me to do two. He could handle the kids. So um, anyway, so I, in step one, um, and I love our OA 12 and 12, our revised version, on pages four and five, it talks a lot about the fact that I'm not a normal eater. It says here on page four, whatever the cause, today we are not like normal people when it comes to food and eating behaviors. We have an abnormal reaction to food. And then it says here again, we will always have these abnormal tendencies. I'm not going to one day grow out of this and be a normal eater. I don't, I don't entertain those thoughts. Um, it says what all compulsive eaters have in common is that our bodies and minds seem to send us signals about food that are quite different from those the normal eater receives. And then on page five, our eating, our attitudes toward food are not normal. We have this disease. And so my sponsor gave me um, homework <laughs> from the big book, from the AA 12 and 12, uh, which is what we use the most. And then gradually the OA 12 and 12. And I started writing and reading and really working through the steps because this is a 12-step program. I've got to work the steps. I mean, um, I have so we have a we have a fellowship of people that support us, but it's the program, which is the 12 steps, that change us. And the same person will eat again. So I need to change. And you know that slogan, nothing changes if nothing changes. In the big book on page 30, I love this page in more about alcoholism. Um, but in the second paragraph, it says, we learned that we had to fully concede to our innermost selves that we were alcoholics 
This is the first step in recovery. The delusion that we are like other people or presently maybe has to be smashed. So I am, I fully concede to my innermost self that I am a compulsive overeater. I did the research <laughs> two and a half years and, and many years before, but two and a half years in OA. Um, and this is a wonderful chapter. There's another quote on page 34. We read this the other day at our meeting. The baffling feature of alcoholism as we know it, this utter inability to leave it alone, no matter how great the necessity nor the wish. There were many times when I wanted to stop eating and I couldn't. I still remember sitting in my car. I had bought a bag of Halloween chocolate. Chocolate was my thing. Sitting in my car, stuffing them all in my face before I got home. So there was no evidence, just, and crying, crying, because it was just so hopeless. That, that is not a way to live. So OA gave me back my life. I mean, just, I'm just so, so, so grateful for this program. So since I, since I was convinced that I'm not a normal eater, then I need to also be convinced of the solution God, as I understand him, uh, which is also great that we get to define our own concept of God. Uh, you don't even have to call him God, it God, higher power, whatever you choose. Um, so I initially had the group as my higher power, and then I began to know God as I understand him, um, who, the God who does for me what I cannot do for myself. There is no way I could do this by myself. I can't even get through a day alone. So I built up a relationship with God. And um, and I spent time with him on my knees in the morning, at night. My I'm retired, so my day is set up, um, you know, in recovery talking to my sponsor, talking to sponsees, going to meetings. This is what a, a lovely silver lining of the pandemic are the Zoom and the Zoom meetings. I go to a regular meeting in South Africa. Um, it's just great that we can go to meetings without leaving our house. Eventually, I mean, here we're still not doing face-to-face -face meetings. It will, you know, we will get to that, I'm sure. So, uh, yes. And and then um, in step two, I'm just becoming willing to believe in, in this higher power. And then in step three, I make a decision to turn my will and my life over to the care and the direction of this higher power. and. Uh, as Kimberly was talking about, a decision is a decision, but it, it needs to be followed by action. <laughs> there has to be some action. So, um, and I pray for it in step three also in our 12 and 12, it talks about, I probably can't find it quickly, but that we pray for the willingness and the ability. Uh, uh, oh, yeah, here. We ask and we receive first the willingness and then the ability. We can count on this without fail. That sounds like a lovely promise. And then um, 
Also, it says, once we compulsive eaters truly take the third step, we cannot fail to recover. So I truly take the third step on a daily basis. I continue with my inventory process, steps four through nine. Uh, my very first fourth step was when I was not abstinent. <laughs> I was in relapse and I had bought the perfect pen, the perfect notebook, tons of binge foods, a Diet Coke. I sent my child to the babysitter and I spent from nine to five at my kitchen table writing what I thought, well, I mean, I had no part. It was my four step on my father and I, I had no part because I couldn't, I couldn't see the truth. When I was eating, for me, when I was eating compulsively, I couldn't see the truth. So needless to say, I had to do that step four over again when I put the food down and got abstinent. Um, but in my step fours, um, yes, I'm looking for causes and conditions. I'm looking, you know, writing out resentments, fears, harms, and, um, you know, talking to my sponsor, giving that away. Step six, I find, is the hardest step. Our, our, it's really a willingness to change. I see my character defects. I see my part. Then I identify the opposites, the qualities to practice. What should I do instead? Um, and then I take that to my higher power. And in step seven, um, I'm humbly asking God to remove uh, my shortcomings. And um, there's a lovely prayer I really like in the OA 12 and 12 that says, we can quietly say to our higher power, I am this way and only with your help can I change. Because I have to change, right? I mean, the same person will eat again. I have to change. And so in step eight and nine, those I like to think of those as the relationship steps when we're making amends. And, and uh, years ago in Ottawa, we used to have a meeting on Sunday night that was focused on relationships. And I, I had no idea why anyone would go to that. I don't have relationship problems. I just need to lose weight. I had no clue. Turns out I have lots of relationship problems. Uh, you know, I improve my relationship with myself, with my higher power, with people around me. I'm so grateful for that process. You know, um, my husband and I, my first husband and I divorced after 17 years. And then a few years later, I met my current husband. We've been married for 15 years. We have a good relationship. I also have a good relationship with my ex-husband and his wife. My daughter, our daughter, got married this year, small wedding because of COVID. And um, we worked together really, really well as a team. And my daughter's friends were commenting on that, how well I get along with my ex-husband's wife. It's because of the steps, working through the steps. And so, um, yeah, and so step 10 is really step four through nine on a daily basis. And I, I, I have a regular call with my sponsor where I check in and I go through things. And I recently had a relationship issue with a friend 
that I took to the steps and talked to my sponsor about and took it to my higher power. And, but then I, 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 I kept wanting to fix it. And my sponsor kept telling me, take this to God, leave it alone, leave some room for things to go well. Because I guess I'm not very patient. <laughs> I wanted it to be fixed quicker than God had in mind. And that was back in July, I think. And now that relationship is healing in God's time. It's much, much better. And especially because I stayed out of it. <laughs> um, anyway, and, you know, step 11, I, I practice on my knees in that position of humility, talking to my higher power. I remember when my, my kids were young. Um, oh, my gosh, I'm sorry. I keep tearing up when my kids were young my um my if my little if my daughter would come in when you know, when they were like toddlers and I was on my knees Eric my son would run in and say oh don't bother mommy she's having higher power time <laughs> so I I have the support of my family in this recovery they know what I'm an open book they know what I do and they support me even at that age, <laughs> um, I, I've kind of lost place of where I was in my notes. Um, let me just take a second here. Um, um, and then, of course, um, step 12 is all about service. I do a lot of service, carry the message. Look what we're doing this weekend in terms of carrying the message. We have the Welcome Center. We did Facebook and Instagram ads, uh, talking to new people. Um, I can't keep what I have if I don't give it away. So I sponsor people, I talk to newcomers, I talk to members. I do a lot of service at the group level, at the intergroup level, region six. I'm program chair for this convention, um, world service. I, I did serve as a trustee a few years ago. I've served on the region board. I love all of this service just benefits me because it, it, it I grow. And I learn, and there's people that help me along the way. I don't have to do it alone. Um, so a little, I'm just going to talk a little bit about, um, so I guess what, I, you know, I came here to lose weight. And what I, what happened is I gained life. When I was eating and binging my face off all the time, that was existence. And with recovery, I have an opportunity to live my life. Um, planet eating, uh, in terms of the tools, my dad always used to say, Karen only eats one meal a day. She starts when she gets up in the morning and she finishes when she goes to bed at night. I didn't have proper meals. I just ate all the time. So now my, my planet eating for the last 30 years has been three meals a day with a beginning and an end to them. Like, it's amazing what you can do when you're not eating. You know, you, you can live life in between and accomplish things. Um, I have a snack. Um, I have, um, and, uh, and I have the red, yellow, green food list. Karen, um, like, five minutes yes. left. Oh, goodness. Okay. Um, I ask God to come between me and the food before the food comes between me and him. I ask God to feed my body, not my disease. Uh, 
I am very grateful for having, I'm at a healthy body weight. I did lose 60 pounds, which is, um, I mean, the plan of eating's had to change a little bit. I went through breast cancer in my late forties. And so I took, I had, I took medication that promoted weight gain. So I had to adjust some things. Of course, I've gotten older. I'm 62 now. So, you know, it, I talked to my sponsor about it and we work out what needs to change. Um, I'm amazed that I haven't been told to slow down. <laughs> so, so I do like to speak quickly. Um, anyway, I go, I do a lot of service. I go to a lot of meetings. And um, like I say, I sponsor. I think that's one of the best things we can do sponsoring or one compulsive overeater talking with another sharing experience strength and hope um for those of you that came in late you may not realize that i wasn't supposed to be the keynote speaker tonight i found out at 6 30 that the keynote speaker was ill and couldn't speak i kimberly phoned me i like oh no there must be someone else <laughs> I took a minute, I hung up and prayed about it. And um, I said, yes, I say yes to service. I say yes to life. I say yes to recovery. It's not always easy, right? I mean, I there, life happens. I, I got divorced, remarried. My dog passed away a few years ago. That was difficult. Right now I'm babysitting my daughter's dog because they're on their honeymoon in Hawaii. So there is a dog in the house. So that's kind of nice. <laughs> Um, we had blended family issues to work through. Uh, my dad passed away, the breast cancer. I mean, health issues, L like everybody has stuff. Stuff happens, right? So life on life's terms. I'm just going to read something quickly from the big book on page 450, because my time is running out. Um, this is in the story, He Lived Only to Drink. He says, I realized I had to separate my sobriety from everything else that was going on in my life. No matter what happened or didn't happen, I couldn't drink. In fact, none of these things that I was going through had anything to do with my sobriety. The tides of life flow endlessly for better or worse, both good and bad. And I cannot allow my sobriety to become dependent on these ups and downs of living. Sobriety must have a life of its own, right? So there's another line in here about, uh, anyway, it, like COVID or no COVID, you know, my food plan doesn't change because of what's going on around me. I stick with my plan and eat what I'm allowed to eat. Um, and then there's one more thing here that I love. I probably can't find it quickly though. Hang on. Um, it's in uh, Alcoholics Anonymous number three. And it is at bottom of page 189. I was willing to put everything I had into it and with God's power and that I wanted I wanted to do just that. As soon as I had done that, I did feel a great release. I knew that I had a helper whom I could rely upon who wouldn't fail me. If I could stick to him, God, and listen, I would make it. And I need to remember that. I have a helper whom I can rely upon. God speaks through, 
God spoke through me tonight because as you know, I didn't know I was doing this. <laughs> I get nervous. I probably would have been nervous for weeks. So it's, it's nice that it happened this way. Um, yeah, the, you know, the shortest paragraph in the big book on page 88, it works. It really does. This program works. I'm so incredibly grateful for it. A lot of people like to, I know there was a, uh, a workshop I went to where they put the program into six words, trust God, clean house, help others. Um, so yes, and I really um, uh, am grateful for this opportunity. I've got one more thing I'm going to read and then I'm going to stop. Hang on. Pay. So years ago, there was a retreat leader from New York who came to Ottawa and her name was Roberta. And she was, she suggested in that, at that retreat that we read two pages of the big book every day out loud. There's so much on every page, right? Just so much. So I started doing that uh, out loud. And I love this promise that I found on page 100. Both you and the new man must walk day by day in the path of spiritual progress. If you persist, remarkable things will happen. When we look back, we realize that the things which came to us when we put ourselves in God's hands were better than anything we could have planned. Follow the dictates of a higher power and you will presently live in a new and wonderful world, no matter what your present circumstances. So thank you for listening to me. I'm grateful to be here and to be of service tonight. I think I'm even on time, right, Marlene? You did pretty good. <laughs> good job, Karen. Excellent. Uh, thank, thank you, Karen, uh, for sharing your experience, strength, and hope. And uh, Bitzer, I'm, I was happy I'm off camera. Um, and a great kickoff to this convention. Uh, we hope that everybody's settled in and uh, ready for a great one. And uh, I'll turn it over to Kimberly. Uh, not on script, but I do want to thank you, Karen. I, you, it couldn't have been better if you had prepared for it for more than 30 minutes. Uh, you brought tears to everyone's eyes. Even though I couldn't see them, I could see them. Thank you, you embody recovery. So now we're going to have time for questions. Please use the Q&A to put your questions in. I'll be looking at the questions so you can type in English or French. Remember, we use the chat for supportive comments and we put the questions into the Q&A. So who has the first question, please? Um, Kimberly, I think she's yeah. waving and I'm just wondering what, what, how we can check in with her, so. She, she wants to switch interpreters, I think. You wanna switch? Okay. So Christine, thank you so much. If you'll mute yourself and lower your hand, I think, um, Louise, just try talking in French and maybe some of our French friends can tell us if they can hear you. Can it, people on the French channel? 
here, Louise? You could just write in the chat. Louise, raise your hand, please. Her hand's up. Yes, we can hear French. Excellent. Thank I heard her. Okay, so I'm going to spotlight Karen and Kimberly. And then where's Karen? And then we're going to add a spotlight. And some of our friends have figured out how the Q&A box works. So there they are. Good job. Okay. And I would ask, I see a question in chat. Please put your questions in the Q&A, not in chat. Uh, first question is about uh, registration. So I'll type an answer to that later. Uh, next question is, what do you do when you are going through a rough time and the food calls to you? So I talk to my sponsor. My sponsor always reminds me about meditation because it is a spiritual solution. And if the food is loud, I start writing my food out, which is because I don't always write my food out, but I, I find it goes smoothly when I write out my food. It's just, there seems to be, and I don't know if, if some people weigh and measure their food, uh, but I find writing my food out and, and sending that to my sponsor helps. And then, of course, because I'm going through a difficult time, I go to the steps. So. Thank you. Um, Karen, you're being asked if you could share your contact information. We ask if you are willing, we will put it in the chat rather than have it on the audio recording. If not, right. they will understand. I can do that. Should I type it in or can someone else? I'll type it in. Yeah, when, by the time we get it to somebody else. I can type your phone number into the chat if you like, Karen. He, she can't say it though, because we don't want it. Oh, on I the you know, type it into she the knows chat. It. Oh, okay, knows that'd it. be great then. Thank you. Um, please talk about your daily practices. How many meetings do you, you attend per week usually? I go to a, well, because of Zoom, I go to a meeting every day. Um, maybe not on the weekend as often. Uh, daily practices, I start my day on my knees with my higher power. Uh, then I have some quiet meditation time. I, I have my plan of eating to follow, so I know what I'm doing there. I would say, yeah, almost every day I'm at a meeting. I A lot of my best friends are also in this program. So I'm connecting. You know, it's funny how I, I came just to lose weight. I would have sold myself short um, if I thought that's all I would get out of this because I gained a life. I gained self-esteem. I gained friends and relationships like beyond my wildest dreams. So I'm in contact with... Um, with members um, and if I have step work or anything to do, I, I have, this is my office I'm in, everything's like right here so I can get to it. So, um, and I'm also, because I do service with region six and a little bit with the virtual region as well. So I'm involved with planning stuff. So that keeps me 
occupied as well. <laughs> Thank you. In your food plan, how do you handle identifying foods that are safe, foods that are clearly alcoholic? Do you use the red, yellow, green food concept? Yes, I use the red, yellow, green concept. So um, how, do you, how, how does that work for you? Well, my plan hasn't changed a lot from 30 years ago. The things on the red list are the things I was eating, pretty much the only <laughs> things I was eating back then. So it was easy to identify the trigger foods, um, you know, junk food, chips, sugary items. That's all on red. Um, a cup sometimes. So, I mean, we all, uh, so the foods that are in the yellow list, I need to be in fit spiritual condition and they're not like getting loud dancing around on the plate. That's kind of a signal um, that, uh, I could have a problem with it. So it's, if I get any inkling that there's more written over this food, that it's an alcoholic food, I immediately, I have to talk to my sponsor and pray about it. So, cause I don't want to go down that path. So I eat a lot of fruits and vegetables and healthy proteins and healthy grains. I do eat flour, um, mostly like whole grain, healthy flour. Um, yeah. No uh, sugary stuff. Next question is, uh, how has your concept of a higher power evolved over the years? So at the beginning, it really was the group. You know, here was a group of people that were doing something I couldn't do. Um, I had nothing against God. <laughs> I just didn't really know God. Like it didn't have a personal conception of God. So I would ask other members and I did that with the food too. I would ask them, what is your food plan? What do you eat? You know, now that I'm older and I, if I have to reduce anything, I talk to people that are in my age bracket to see what they did. And I asked them about their higher power and grad like, God could be good orderly direction, gift of desperation. Um, it's, I'm definitely not a religious person, so it isn't a religious God. It's a spiritual God. I don't, um, I think of my higher power in nature, of him being the creator of love and kindness, you know, good things like that. I, I don't know if, if I have to, I don't feel like I need to define him more than that. And I do call God him for me. Um, because it works for me and everybody's different. We all eat differently. We all have a different concept of God. I do what works for me. Thank you. And, and if I spend time with God, the relationship gets stronger for sure. Thank you. Thank you. Next question. Uh, of all the service you have done, is there one you find more personally fulfilling? Um, probably sponsoring. I think I have seven sponsees and we're close. Like we spend time talking and I take step work and I've gotten to, and I've gotten to know them all really well. And I just find it very fulfilling to be of service in that way. And I absolutely love planning things. 
<laughs> hence helping plan with conventions. I'm special events chair at my intergroup. Um, yeah. So another sponsorship question. Um, what happens when you finish the 12th step with your sponsees? Do you let them go? What do you do? I, I don't. I don't let them go um, because life happens. So people are continually living, you know, you know, 10, 11, and 12, maintenance steps, living steps, growth steps, whatever you want to call them. I mean, we're always doing those steps. So most of my sponsees check in once or twice, well, sorry, once every week or two. Um, I mean, they, we're spending less time together because they've been through the steps. But yeah, no, I, I don't let them go. So somebody, another sponsor question. Uh, based on your experience, uh, what, what do you think the best way is to get a sponsor now that we're all on Zoom in this computer age? I still... I still like the idea of going to meetings and listening to what people are sharing and then just a one-on-one -on -one approach. Are you available to sponsor me? Um, people will say no if they don't have room and they just don't have the time. Um, in my intergroup, we do keep a sponsorship list. Um, so I don't know where that person's from, but that maybe their intergroup or their region keeps a list, the virtual region has exploded, <laughs> as we all, we might figure. Um, some of the meetings, some of the groups there may have sponsorship lists. But if you go to a lot of meetings and the same meetings and hear people, you could just one-on-one -on -one and ask them. Terrific. What tips do you have for social gatherings or going to restaurants? I don't go anymore. <laughs> uh, uh, um, yeah, well, because of COVID, I, I really don't go out as much as I used to. So beforehand, I would check the menu in advance online and pick out what I was going to eat. And then that decision was made. Almost every restaurant serves salad and chicken. <laughs> so, um, uh, yeah, so... I, yeah, I, I try to plan in advance. Even when I go to a friend's place for dinner, um, I, because I, most of my friends know anyway, I just ask them in advance what's being served so that I can plan. You know that slogan, failing to plan is planning to fail. So I like to plan and be prepared. How has program helped you be a better parent, especially oh when your kids were little? Oh, that's a wonderful question. <laughs> so when I got abstinent 30 years ago, my daughter was six months old and my son was three. So they didn't have a long time with crazy mom. Um, they have mostly known mom, you know, in recovery. My daughter teases me that she's older than me because she turned 30 in February and I only turned 30 in September. <laughs> so emotionally, that's probably true. Um, and we're, so I'm close with my kids. We have a good relationship today and, um, it has made a big difference. At one point, um, my daughter was in university and having some, you know, she gained the freshman 15 or 
And then it became more than that. And my ex-husband said, go talk to her. She might be a compulsive overeater, which I did gently. I did step work about it first. And she's not a compulsive overeater. She was just having some dietary issues and that's been resolved and she lost all the weight. And so I always just do my best to take it through the steps first. So I, I feel like I'm a good mom today. Thank God for the program. So there's a question about continuing to work the program and how that has helped you with your kids as adults. Did you ever have a period when things were tense between you and your daughter and are either of them? And what did you, how did you use the steps? Well, I should say that I have three stepchildren. And so there was a time with one of the stepchildren when we had a, dis a disagreement. So step work galore. <laughs> Lots of prayers and talking to my sponsor and giving it time and higher power worked it out. So um, my stepchildren, my children live here in Ottawa and we see each other regularly. I, as I said, I've got my daughter's dog for two weeks. She trusts me <laughs> to take care of this dog for two weeks. Um, my stepchildren live in Germany, Peru, and British Columbia, so we do not see them as much, but we recently went out there for a visit to Tofino, BC, and my stepdaughter, who I'm not as close to because she's the older one who had left home earlier, uh, sent me a lovely text when we got home about how she enjoyed our conversations and that we should do it more often, and she got a lot out of out of it. So it was just really nice to hear. So, um, yeah. Next question is, oh, so many good questions. Um, where did that big book one go? Do you, when you're, when you're reading the big book and studying the big book, or when you did go through and read it, do you also go through the chapters to the wives, to the employers and the family afterward? And why or why not? Well, I, I've done it various ways. So when I first started, I even bought a dictionary from 1939 and started looking up words from then. And I just read through it uh, with another member. Um, with sponsees, we tend to do the, the part the um, like up to help working with others up to step 12. Um, and then of course, there's that lovely chapter revision for you. Um, I also did a, a big book study recently where we went through the whole book and studied everything. So there's, yeah, various, various um, methods. And um, we have a lovely, I don't have it, close to some a wonderful workshop that includes the big book and the OA 12 and 12 and my internet is unstable your internet's a little unstable yeah. if it freezes just turn your video off okay don't don't run downstairs Karen has a backup plan <laughs> she has a computer downstairs but we're we're almost there um 
So here's a question. There's lots of questions about your spiritual practices, but you talked a lot about this. Where do you find your bravery? Oh, wow. Um, I never, <laughs> do I think of myself as brave? <sighs> I just take it a day at a time and ask my higher power for help. I mean, when I'm doing new things, it's definitely scary. So I, I go keep asking my higher power for help. I talk, my husband is a great support. My sponsor, um, trusting and relying upon God one day at a time. I did, uh, my internet is unstable. I had a hundred foot cord running through my house <laughs> to, to connect to hardwire me in and the dog ate the cord. So there is no more cord. Isn't it fun being a grand, having a grand dog? So we're uh, out of time now, Karen. There's uh, several other questions. I think we got most, we talked about most of the topics. Uh, I wanna thank you uh, on behalf uh, of, of everybody and uh, really appreciate uh, your service, your flexibility, and you're saying yes when a lot of people might have said no way in heck. So um, well, you're Chuck, welcome. I'll, and thank you. Thank you. I'll turn it over to you, Chuck. Thank you, Karen. Uh, amazing. And uh, great answers to the questions as well.